Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you folks uh, as we gather today to just open our hearts to the Word of God and to let the Lord speak to us. So again, if you need to stretch, uh, that's always a good thing to do to get the body loosened up and to lift your, your hands to the good Lord in praise. Uh, but the most important thing is, let's pray. Let's look to the Lord to take this word off the page and bring it into our hearts. Father, we just want to thank you again uh, that we could gather as family, as brothers and sisters from many locations, but with one desire, Lord, and that is to see you more clearly today and to experience your presence and your power and your love. So Holy Spirit, we thank you. You're the one that inspired this book of Judges many years ago. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe upon it, make it fresh, make it new, make it applicable to each of our lives. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd underline to each of us uh, that portion of Judges 7 that really speaks to us individually. So, Lord, we just give you an open heart, and we come expecting you to speak to us. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> Judges 7. We're going to look at a, a man by the name of Gideon. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, they rose early and camped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was on the north side of them, by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. Thus Israel become boastful, saying, my own power has delivered me. Now therefore, come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people returned, but 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said again, and the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I'll test them for, from the, I'm sorry, I will test them for you there. Therefore, it shall be that he of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But every one of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you. He shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, You shall separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, as well as everyone who kneels to drink. Now the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people kneeled to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you. With the 300 men who lapped, and will give the Midianites into your hands. So let all the other people go, each man to his home. So the 300 men took the people's provisions and their trumpets into their hands, 
And Gideon sent all the other men of Israel, each to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Now the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hands. But if you're afraid to go down, go with Perah, your servant, down to the camp. And you will hear what they will say. And afterward, your hands will be strengthened, that you may go down against the camp. So he went with Perah, his servant, down to the outpost of the army that was in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the sons of the east were lying in the valley, as numerous as locusts. And their camels were without number, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. When Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend. And he said, Behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian. And it came to the tent, and it struck it so that it fell, and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his friend answered and said, This is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. And it came about when Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation that he bowed in worship. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the camp of Midian into your hands. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. And he put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of all of them with torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I and all who are with uh, me blow the trumpet, then you also blow the trumpets all around the camp and say, for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch. When they had just posted the watch and they blew the trumpets and they smashed the pitchers that were in their hands. And when the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers, they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing and cried a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And each stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran crying out as they fled. When they blew three hundred trumpets, the Lord set the sword a one against another, even throughout the whole army. And the army fled as far as Beshreba, towards Surapah, as far as the edge of, of Abel-Mahala, by Tabath. And the men of Israel were summoned from Naphtali and Asher and all Manasseh, and they pursued Midian. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against Midian. Take the waters before them as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were summoned, and they took the waters as far as Beth and the Jordan. And they captured the two leaders of Midian, Orab and Zeb, and they killed Orab at the rock of Orab, and they killed Zeb at the wine press of Zeb while they pursued Midian. And they brought the heads of Arbath and see to Gideon from across the Jordan. Amen. <clears throat> okay. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> As 
uh, I looked at Judges 7. There were three points uh, that came to me. Number one, we're going to look at each of these points. God works best through our weaknesses, not our strengths. Okay? God works best through our weaknesses, not our strengths. Number two, God finds ways to encourage us in hard times. Okay? God finds ways to encourage us in hard times. And number three, it's absolutely important to follow God's directions and his instructions to the letter. Uh, that's what's going to give us victory, ultimately. So let's jump into that first thing. God works best through our weaknesses. And to kind of set the stage for Judges 7, uh, I just want to give a little preview of where we are. So if you flip back uh, to Judges 6, just turn the page back. It'll give you the setting where we're going in Judges 7. So Judges 6, 1 and 2 says this. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. And the power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for them some dens, uh, which were in the mountains and caves in the strongholds. So again, as we've seen, Israel disobeys God. They get in trouble. Uh, enemies rise up, the Midianites. Uh, and again, when crises occur, what does Israel do? Uh, chapter 6, verse 6. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. Okay, God, help us. We're in a mess. We're in a fix. And God raises up Gideon to come against the Midianites. Chapter 6, 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, Oh, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Verse 14, he says to Gideon, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And then verse 16, he says, Surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. <laughs> That's the background. And we pick it up. Uh, here on chapter 7, and I'm going to look at verse 2. So the Lord says, okay, Gideon, you're going to go out, and you're going to wipe out the Midianites. And now we see the story unfolding. 7-2, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. Thus Israel become boastful, saying, my own power has delivered me. So God is basically saying to Gideon and the Israelites, hey, I don't want you to get a big head. I don't want you to become boastful. I don't want you to become proud, thinking you can do this on your own. So God wants to make very clear that if this battle is going to be won, it's not Israel doing it in their smarts or in their power, but it's going to be because God, the all-powerful one, intervenes in their behalf. So he begins to kind of wean down the army to make it very clear uh, that the victory is going to be of God, not of Israel. And let's look at verse 3. This is what the Lord does to, to, to kind of get this army very, very small. Verse 3, now therefore come. 
proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is afraid and trembling, let them return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people returned. I, I guess there's a lot of scared people there, right? I mean, look at it. 22,000 basically say, I feel pretty much chickened out here. I don't want to fight. So God says, okay, let's get rid of that group. Uh, but 10,000 remained. <clears throat> then the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I'll test them for you there. Therefore, it shall be that he of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But every one of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. And he talks about <clears throat> how people get water uh, when they're thirsty, whether they're going to go just put their mouth down to the water or whether they're going to lap it up. And we see in verse 7, what happens and the Lord said to Gideon, I'll deliver you with the 300 men who lapped and will give the Midianites into your hands so that, that the other people, they can go each to his home. So here we go. Uh, it started out originally with 32,000 people. And God says, nope, too many people. Uh, let's make it 300. Now, to show you how ridiculous this battle would be from a human standpoint you got 300 israelites and when you look at midian i think there's a few of them uh, if you look at verse 12 7 12 here's the description of the midianites now the midianites and the amalekites and all the sons of the east were lying in the valley get this as numerous as locusts their camels were without number as numerous as the sand on the seashore. So in other words, this is a lot of people that they're going to fight. It makes no sense. Uh, it would be quite intimidating uh, that Gideon says, well, I got 300 men, but I'm going to go fight these thousands and thousands of people. And we're going to see <clears throat> how God wins that victory. Uh, but I want to give you just a couple of other examples I thought were really important to demonstrate the point this story, I think, is going to drive home, which is God works best through our weaknesses, whether it's the people back in the Bible or whether it's you or I. And let me just give you a couple illustrations about this. Actually, four of them. Number one, uh, as we go further in Judges, we're going to come across a judge by the name of Samson. And from what we can see, <clears throat> Samson is just a, quote, normal person. Uh, he's a Nazarite. Uh, we're going to see that uh, his strength was in his hair. And when his hair was cut off, he was weak like anybody else. Okay? Just a normal human being who had weakness. But when God wants to work through a person, supernatural things occur. Uh, so it says this. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, what happens when God in his strength comes and meets human weakness? This is a, 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 an amazing story. It says, when he, uh, Samson, came to Leah, the Philistines shouted as they met him. And here it is, the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. 
so that the ropes that were on the arms were his flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds dropped from his hands. Now get the story. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, so he reached out, took it, and he killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have killed a thousand men. That's, that's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> Think about it. A jawbone of an ass. God used that. But he used the power of the spirit in Samson to win an overwhelming victory. Friends, when the Holy Spirit comes with us in power, when he fills our weakness with his strength, miracles occur. And here, one man wipes out a thousand. I can't describe how it happens, but if it's in the Bible, I'll buy it. So <clears throat> that's one illustration. Another, I think, is David and Goliath. If you remember that story, <clears throat> the Philistines come against Israel. Goliath is nine feet, nine inches tall. That's one big dude, really big. David is just a youth. He is not a military man. He's not been trained uh, to go into battle. He just takes care of sheep out there somewhere in the field. <clears throat> but God is pretty good, again, at using weakness, our weakness, but fills our weakness with his strength. So if you can picture this big Goliath guy, this big giant comes against David, and you might hear David's response to that. Uh, <clears throat> that's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 to 47. Let me read it. So the Goliath is mocking him out, and he said, you're just a squirt. There's no way. <laughs> He's laughing. you got to be kidding me. There's no way you're going to defeat me. And that's what David says. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands. I'll strike you down and remove your head from you. I'll give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. There again, David is just a kid. He's young, but he's not fighting the battle in the strength that's in David. He's fighting the battle in a supernatural strength and a supernatural ability. And he basically says, the battle isn't mine. Hey, my God is bigger than you, Goliath, and watch out because you're done. So I don't know what Goliath you might be facing today, something big in your life, a big gigantic problem, like a big mountain that wants to come and crash over you, wipe you out. I don't know what it could be. It could be any kind of an issue, relational, financial, physical, you name it. Uh, but I think we need to realize that God is bigger than any problem. He's bigger than any weakness. And he's bigger than any Goliath in your life. So when you're weak, that is a platform for which the spirit of God can bring 
God's might into that situation. So I think this weakness strengthening is illustrated in Samson as demonstrated in David. It's also demonstrated in Peter and John in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are just going, going to church in a sense. They're going to worship. But before they do, they, they come upon a man uh, that's lame, and he's begging for alms. And here's what happens. Uh, Acts chapter 3, uh, and it says, verse 4, it says, Peter, along with John, fixed their gaze on that man. And they said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to read something, receive something from them. But Peter said, I don't possess silver and gold, but what I do have to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright, and he began to walk. Like that. And the people whoa, this, well, and Peter tells the crowd, let me just fill you in on how this happened. And he basically says this, uh, this is Acts 3.16, and the basis of faith in his name, it's the name of Jesus, which has strengthened this man, whom you see and know. The faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. So basically, he's saying, hey, we didn't pull this off. It was the name of Jesus, and it was the faith that Jesus gave us that gave us the supernatural ability to command this man to walk. And because of this, the Jewish authorities are on the case of, of Peter and John, and they, they put them before themselves. And it says here, Acts chapter 4. Uh, verse 7, they, they go to Peter and John, they say, by what power or in what name have you done this? Like, okay, how did you pull this off? And I love this in Acts 4.13, it says, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, and they understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and they began to recognize him as having been with Jesus. It wasn't Peter or John that pulled this off. They realized these were just common, everyday people. But friends, when common, everyday people get filled with the power of the Spirit, things begin to shift and things begin to change. And the poster child of them all, of weakness, but of strength, is, is the Apostle Paul. I love this passage. Uh, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and Paul gives a little bit of background here, and he says this, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He's saying, get it out of here, Lord. This is getting in the way, it's, it's making me feel very weak. Lord, remove the thorn. <clears throat> and he said that three times. And here's what God says to him. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. For my power, it says for power, but you could say my power is perfected in weakness. 
And I think that must have really hit Paul heavy. My power is perfected, Paul, in your weakness. And Paul says, because of that, most gladly, therefore, I'll rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Listen to what Paul says. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with afflictions, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I'll tell you, when you see what Paul went through and what God did with his weakness, it is absolutely amazing. Let me just give you a little bit of this, then we're getting back to Gideon. Uh, but this is 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And if you look at verse 23, here's Paul's testimony of strength, the strength of Jesus and his weakness. He said, I have been having far more labors than others and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. That should have killed him the first time. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. I have been in frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen. Dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among the false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there's daily the pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. And then he ends that little chunk where if I have to boast, I'll boast of what pertains to my weakness. That just blows me out of the water. Unbelievable. Three people, four people. Samson, he's weak, but God fills him with strength. David, just a normal boy filled with the strength of God. Peter and John, uneducated people, but God fills them with power. And Paul out of his weakness, is made strong. So let me just kind of say at this point, I don't know what you're going through, but realize you don't have to fight whatever battle, whatever Goliath is your life in your own abilities and in your own strength. You may feel overwhelmed. You could feel weak at this point, but that's okay. Like Paul, we need to realize our inabilities, our weaknesses, and then learn to tap into the strength of Christ. So I think like Paul, we need to be able to boast about our weaknesses. Paul said, I boast about my weaknesses because guess why? Christ's power will be displayed in them. I think like Paul, we need to realize that when we're weak, then we're really strong. And like Paul, I think we need to say in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So basically, as we see in the story of 300 versus thousands, God did not want the emphasis to be on the ability of Israel, but on his ability. So as I wrap up this little chunk here, um, <clears throat> I think there's two lessons we need to learn in life. Two primary lessons. Number one, we're weak. Okay. 
And how do you learn that, folks? You just go through life. Life has a way of showing us our inabilities. I think the older I get, the more I feel utterly dependent on the Lord. You know, you start out, you're young, man, I can tackle the world. I could do this. Oh, yeah. And after a while, you go through life and you get beaten down over and over. And you begin to see, man, apart from Christ, I can't do anything that has effectiveness or lasting power. That's the first lesson. And trials in life bring us down low. The second lesson is this. And I think I'm just beginning to learn it. It's not too bad. It's only 74 years. It took me to get this one. Is when you're weak, learn to tap into the strength of Christ. Just trying to, I'm just trying to tap into that. That when I'm weak, I can begin to transfer and live out of the strength of Christ versus living out of my own human abilities and struggles. And I think that's the primary lesson I get from Judges 7. God was saying, hey, Israel, I want you to show you you're weak, but don't worry about it because I'm a strong God. And if you yield to me and if you surrender to me and if you trust in me, my power can overcome anything in your life. And here he's saying that I'll use 300 men to wipe out thousands of people. So the second point I get is that God encourages us in hard times. Hey, how would you feel? Get yourself in the place of Gideon. You're the leader. You got 300 men, and now you're going to fight a battle against thousands of people. Do you think you might be a little intimidated? <laughs> Do you think you might be a, a little uh, anxious, fearful, nervous? Yeah, I, I think so. Like, wow, Lord, this doesn't make sense. 300 versus thousands. Oh, but God encourages, he encourages Gideon. Uh, look what he says. Basically, uh, look at seven and look at verse eight. So the 300 men took the people's provisions and their trumpets into their hands. Gideon sent all the other men of Israel, each to his tent, but retained the 300 men and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Here's God's encouragement. Now the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hands. But if you're afraid, and I think Gideon said, Yeah, guess what, God, I guess I am. But if you're afraid, go down, go with Porot, your servant, down to the camp, and you will hear what they say. And afterward, your hands will be strengthened, that you may go down against the camp. So he went with Parah, his servant, down to the outpost of the army that was in the camp. Verse 13. When Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend. And he said, behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was trumbling into the camp of Midian. And it came to the tent and it struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. So here's the dream. One Midianite is telling another, and here's what the other person responds. And his friend answered and said to him, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. And it came about when Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation that he bowed in worship. 
he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the camp of Midian into our hands. Okay. God encourages sometimes we just need a positive word of reaffirmation. We know God's big. We've learned it, da, da, da. But when the trials come, sometimes we, we get overwhelmed and God like, come on, give me a sign or just, just encourage me, Lord, to go forward. And I found many times, uh, in, at least in my illustration of my life, that sometimes when I need an encouragement, God speaks to me through the scriptures. You might be reading through your soap guide or whatever you're doing, but sometimes God just takes a, a verse and highlights it in what you're reading. He just emphasizes it. It just like it comes off the page and God said, this verse is for you right now to lift you up. I love to read books. And many times as I'm reading a book, um, God will kind of lay on me, pick this book up and read it. And as I read it, uh, again, there's just something there that jumps off the page and, and lifts my spirits. Many times I think God has encouraged me uh, through people. It could be family. It could be friends. Um, it could be a stranger. It doesn't matter. But sometimes God speaks through another person to you just to lift your spirits and give you the, 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 the strength to go forward and to have your faith reignited. Uh, but one of the favorite ways, I love the way God uh, encourages me at times, is when he brings things into alignment. Let me give you an illustration. Just the other week, uh, I just really feel like I, I want to be studying prayer more and more, and not just principles of prayer. And uh, there's one book that came to me that just reiterated that prayer is not a list of rules. It's a conversation with God. And I really like that. It's not complex. It's just, you know, it's like a conversation with a friend. You share your heart with God, pour your heart out like the Psalms, and then you learn to listen to what he says to you. And as you have that dialogue back and forth, your relationship gets deeper and deeper and fuller and fuller. So I just really felt led to that. And I was stumbling on one thing, and I came across a book by Lloyd Ogilvy that was written way back, and it was talked, uh, I think the title is something, uh, Conversational Prayer. And it just got my interest going, so I ordered that from Amazon. So the other day I go out and I go to the mailbox, and there's the package. But I also get, uh, usually I think it's once a month, Joyce Meyer uh, sends a little magazine out. I like her teaching. Uh, and. I, what really hit me is so I open up the package and there's the book on conversational prayer. But when I look at Joyce Meyer's little magazine, the lead article is God speaks to us in a conversational way. And I thought, wow, that's so cool, Lord. You brought both things together at the same time. It's like God gave like a little exclamation and said, John, that's where you need to go, buddy. You need to learn to have this dialogue. Be honest with me. You don't have to use big words. Just pour out your heart and learn to listen. So to me, that encouraged me. That lifted me because it was like God said, I know where you are. You're on my GPS. And I just wanted to, quote, encourage you. So you may need encouragement today. And I would just say, keep your eyes wide open. Keep your ears open. 
because God, when we need that encouragement, can show up through the Bible, through a book, through a person, through coincidences coming together. And the last thing is that we need to uh, be uh, very clear to, to follow God's instructions very clearly. In one of the past soaps, we talked about um, Joshua. God said, I want you to deal with uh, Jericho. And he said, march around it seven times and blow trumpets. Guess what? They did what they were supposed to. Jericho fell. God gave different instructions to David when he was fighting. Do this, David. Don't do this. And here again, God gives very clear instructions to Joshua how to win the battle. And it makes no sense. <laughs> okay, so look at this. Here we're back at Judges 7, uh, verse 16. And <clears throat> basically here, Gideon divided the 300 men into three companies. He put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of all of them with torches inside uh, the pitches, pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I and all who are with me blow the trumpet, then you also blow the trumpets all around the camp and say for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just posted the watch and they blew the trumpets and smashed the pitchers that were in their hands. When the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers, they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing and cried a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Now think about this. It makes absolutely no sense to fight a battle. What's it say here? Uh, it says they held torches in their left hand, trumpets in the right hand. There's no weapons, folks. No weapons. All they got is torches and trumpets. There's no swords, no nothing. Uh, and I'm thinking like, Lord, that is one wild strategy. That's like off the charts. But guess what? It so freaked out the Midianites because they see these people all over the place with, with the, the torches and they're hearing them shouting and they're hearing trumpets blowing. It kind of blows their brains. Uh, and it says 21. And they each stood in this place around the camp and the army uh, ran. That's the army of the Midian. It's crying out as they fled. And when they blew 300 trumpets, the Lord set the sword of one against another, even throughout the whole army. And then it goes on how they pursue Midian, how they kill the leaders of the Midianites, and they win the battle. So uh, let me just wrap up with this. So again, I don't know the trouble, the hardship you may be facing today. But let me tell you, folks, there is somebody that knows exactly what you're going through. Somebody that knows every detail of your situation. Not only does God know every detail, he has all wisdom to know how to handle whatever you're going through. And I believe not only uh, does God want to encourage us like we saw here, but I believe God also wants to give us supernatural knowledge and wisdom on how to handle our situation. So I don't know what you're going through, but God wants to be able to give you wisdom and guidance. And what I'm learning 
is I have to be patient to receive that. I know there were points where I'd say, Lord, I don't understand. We got an issue with my family, something going on, and I'm getting wound up about it. And I'm saying, Lord, here's the issue. And I'm going to wait 15 minutes, Lord. And, you know, I'd really appreciate you telling me what's the strategy in this situation. Well, after 15 minutes, nothing happened. And I'm finding I can't order God when he's going to give me the knowledge and the wisdom to deal with an issue in my life. But I have to trust that when he wants me to know the answers or the strategies, he'll do it in his way in his time. But I think we need to expect that God's not just going to leave us hanging, uh, but that in the, the hard times, he's going to fill our weakness with his strength and that he's going to encourage us when we want to throw in the towel and that he'll give us the wisdom we need when we need it to make the right decisions to get where we need to be. So let's talk to him. Lord, you know what's going on in every single life that's on this soap. Lord, you know every battle. You know every pain, every struggle. Uh, and Lord, I know you want to be there for your people. So I just want to lift up each person, Lord, on this screen. Uh, Lord, that you would encourage them if they feel weak, that you want to be their strength. And that you can do for them what they can't do for themselves. And I pray also, Lord, for each one that you would encourage them when they want to just throw in the towel and say, Lord, this is too much. Lord, keep their eyes and ears open for your words of encouragement. And I pray for each one of us, Lord, download into us the wisdom we need, the knowledge we need as we go forward about any given situation that's in our lives. So we thank you, Lord. Uh, for Judges 7. Thank you for the application points in our lives in 2023. And we just pray, Lord, ultimately through all this, you would get the glory and the honor and you would get the praise. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go fight the battle. Trust in the good Lord. Amen. Have a great day.